0: But I want to start just sharing with you all, uh, I'm from West Virginia, right? Uh, It's a great way to start the message. And um, in West Virginia, when I was a senior in high school, the summer going into it, I got my first job. It was at Best Buy. Um, And I was working there for uh, about a year, and I was doing really well in sales, right? And I was selling cameras, and they had me in cameras and MP3. Uh, That's really where they, that's like playing right field in baseball, right? It's like you can't really... Mess up in right field. Um, it's rare that you'll have one hit to you. If you play right field right now, like in your kiddo and you're here and you're like, what is he saying? Um, I played right field also, so like, don't feel bad. And I moved my way, I learned the fundamentals and I moved up, and, and everybody's got to play right field. Maybe you crank home runs and you hit well, right? Um, but uh, I, I remember just being really uh, good at selling cameras, right? Um, to put it into perspective, I did like over uh, 60 grand in just a month of selling cameras, right? And it was, I remember the managers coming up and they're like, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, yeah it is. It's really awesome. I'm, I'm very awesome. They're like, well, the profit isn't in cameras. And I'm like, this isn't going where I want it to go. And they said, we want you to move to, to computers, right? You're young enough. You, you'll understand technology. And I looked the manager dead in his eyes and I said, I said, brother, I don't like computers, I said, I'm probably going to look for another job because I don't want to be back here in computers because it's over my head. Cameras I enjoy, right? I'm passionate about it. I don't want to do that. And he said, well, guess what? I'm the manager, and that's where we need you. And, and it's my role as manager to put you where you need to be and set you up for success. And I did have times of success, and another opportunity presented itself to go work somewhere. But it was at that moment that I understood that roles were important and that they mattered. So today we're going to be talking about marriage and marital roles. Um, So there's my transition. And then back to the blazer. Aubrey asked me why I was dressing up uh, this morning, and I said... Because I'm going to teach uh, you wives uh, that the Bible says to submit, and she immediately said, "What?" And I said, "I'm kidding, right?" Like I just felt like wearing the blazer today. But the Bible does say these things. We'll get into it. Um, I'm going to pray for us. I I do want to ask for grace because there's a lot of misunderstanding in this passage. Uh, There's a lot for pastors to be afraid of, like, "Oh, I don't want to make my wife mad, right?" Like by talking about this, but. To be honest with you, I'm probably gonna make myself mad because it tells me what I need to be as a husband. Sometimes I don't like to hear that. Sometimes um, the most godly of women just have a tough time with this too. So I pray for grace. Would you show me grace as we move through this together? Reminding ourselves that this is the holy word of God and it is for our good and for God's glory that he's revealed himself to us through it and the way that we ought to live and breathe and act and uh, be married to one another and, and to, to be a husband to our wives and for you wives to be uh, to your husbands. So uh, let us approach God's word humbly this morning, um, but absolutely praying for God to move and to change us and conform us into his likeness and not the likeness of our flesh this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for um, just revealing yourself to us. We don't have to wonder what you would want from us. God, we don't have to wonder um, how we would be without you. We were once without you, dead and lost, and you came into our life and you breathed life into our dead souls. So, God, we pray that now being made new creations, we would, we would come to your word this morning humbly. And, and for those who are um, single, those who were married, uh, those who um, are, are divorced, whatever it might be, whatever life stage they are in, God, that we would see the need to, to look at this scripture and see how, how we ought to be in our own life, but, God, how we need to hold our brothers and sisters accountable to this covenant, this holy covenant of marriage where, God, you are joining these two flesh, this two flesh, together. God, I pray that we would see the beauty and the roles of marriage and how you are working and displaying your power in the gospel through it. So God, be with us in this time, move amongst us, and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So the main point for us this morning is God's design of marriage. What this sermon is not intended to do is to talk about the very basics, right? We're a Baptist church. We get it. I'll state it real quick. Um... I'll talk to you if you have questions, right? But we believe that marriage is between man and woman. Um, man being born man, God created you that way. Uh, woman being born that way, we believe God created you that way. There's no need to change that. We believe there's you have value and dignity. Um, I, I look at some of my flaws and I think, man, like not my sin, but my flaws, right? Like, um, like I, I can't jump. And I'm like, man, God made me that way. Like he, I'm just special that way. Like I, I can only jump this high um, as opposed to that high, right? Like God has made me a certain way. Not my sinful way, but made me who He wanted me to be, and that's that's the same for all of us, right? So, men are born men, women are women, and marriage—the holy covenant of marriage—is between one man and one woman, right? So, the message that there you go, we're off that. I want to talk about roles, right, because we've got a lot of young families here. You kiddos, you all are here this morning, and you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, man, they bring me in for for Family Sunday, and they're going to talk about marriage. Yes, because you know what's beautiful is that you guys, hey, Biggs, can you all all raise your hand? Everybody. All right, cool. You all get to see the gospel visibly through your parents' marriage, right? right. And, and, and some of you all may have questions about that. Uh, those of you all who may see it in your grandparents, you see it in your family. Every marriage that you see, kiddos, including myself, it is a display of the gospel. And we'll get to that. But that's why it's important for you. And not only that, but maybe one day you'll be married and you'll be like, I don't know what to do. Right? I want you all to remember this. Sometimes Pastor Michael doesn't know what to do. I'm like, I got myself in too deep. But I'm here for it. Because the word tells me I'm committed and I'm to love this woman, care for this woman, provide for this woman, and pray for this woman, right? So it's important for all of us to understand this. So we're gonna work through the design of marriage, talking about wives, husbands, and the gospel. Let's start with wives. And that's because of the progression of the passage. This isn't like any aim of priority of who's trying. Paul did this, right? This is why I need grace. Some of you all are gonna think, ah, this is just his mess. No, this is relevant to today, and this is how it starts out. Let's talk about wives. What is your role, right? Ladies, what is your role in in, in marriage? Well, Paul says here in Ephesians 5, verse 22, he says, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. So what's, what's your role? Well, first off, we know that it's a helper, right? God saw in Genesis that it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he created for Adam a helpmate. That isn't a, an inferior. He created a helpmate. You know what that means? It means that he saw Adam alone. He's like, no. He needs somebody, right? And you ladies, some of you all met your men where they were and you're like, "He needs somebody," right? And that's that's God's design that we need one another. And maybe you're single and you're like you're desiring that, but don't forget that your most important fellowship in all of your life is Christ. So what we don't want to do is elevate marriage above the gospel but we elevate marriage because of the gospel. We say this is a beautiful and holy covenant, and if you are going to enter into it, know these roles. For wives, it's this helpmate, but it's this role of submission also. And the idea of submission has been often misunderstood as this idea of like this MMA, choke you out until you like need to tap. This is a willful submission, and a command from God to do so, right? So it's, it's not, hey, just submit because your husband's going to choke you out. No, we don't advocate for that. We're saying, and we'll get into the husband's role, is later on that they are to lead, and as they lead you in a godly, holy way, submit to that. Now, you've got to make that decision, right? You've got, I'm either going to or not going to, right? The whole idea in marriage is is so that you would sanctify her, is the language that Paul uses later. Just as Christ is cleansing and sanctifying his church, but we know even this week that we, the church, right, members of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, have gone out and made decisions contrary to that which we preached on Sunday, right? We've done that because we have a decision. We've got free agency, right? We, we talk about re- reformed theology, and, and yes, we, God has gifted us faith and repentance to come to him. But in our day-to-day life, you're deciding whether or not you're going to obey the scriptures today. You can't just go and say, I sinned because it was God's will for me. To sin-. It's not. And God's desire here is for the wives to submit to their husbands, not in a tap out kind of way, but in a willful way, seeing the goodness of God working through their spouse and calling them to holiness, right? It's so hard to separate these two roles of, of the husbands and the wives because it's the two becoming one flesh. So the submission here is to holiness, that, that we men are leading our wives to holiness, right? So submission. And it's a difficult word to hear, but church is a godly command from the scriptures. R.C. Sproul says a Christian wife is called to grateful acceptance of her husband's care and leadership, not domineering leadership. It says care and leadership, right? So the submission is willful, and it's an answer to a command from scripture. Notice in that quote, and even when we get into the husband's role, that this is godly care, and leadership. I can't reiterate that enough. What it's not saying is do whatever he says, right? Some of us men need to hear that, right? I learned that early on. You get married at 19, you've got a whole different perspective of what marriage really is, right? Like, I'm just gonna be able to to tell, like, hey, we're like, we're Christians, right? Like, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so, like, now I see this, and I submit, 1 Corinthians 7, her body's not her own, like, all these things. I'm like, boom, 19, that's why we get married. And I learned real quick that that's not how it is. And I'm also continuing to learn that I've got to lead her. And as I lead her, that she also is to submit to this godly leadership. Godly leadership. You cannot and should not be led by sin, sinful ways, or sinful leaders. Church, we've got sinful leaders leading us. So we've got to use discernment in what we're going to follow and not follow. Let me make it simple right now. The government shows up here and tells us we have to shut down right now. We can't preach the gospel. We say, we get that you're a leader, but go on. Like, get out of here. Go. Like, we are going to preach the gospel. And I get that you all can make that a law, but one thing we're not going to do is be led into sin. We're not going to do that. You all can go and sin and do whatever you want, but you're not going to tell God's people what they are not supposed to do. We probably want to do that. Church, it'd be so much easier to close the doors and say, hey, we are the church. We just go live at home, go work our 40 to 80 hours a week, depending on how much you're working, right? We'll just go about our lives and we'll see everybody in eternity, right? That that would be it. That would be easy. And it'd be easy to just sit here as, as husbands and wives and say, Ephesians 5, we can just forget about it. But that's not what the Word of God says. And what it is saying is to humbly submit yourself to your husband just as the church does to Christ. You see that comparison is is that it's not this domineering, right? Christ isn't domineering over his bride. No, he's preparing a place for us right now. He came and sacrificially laid his life down. And church, we come here to be sanctified and be changed and conformed into the likeness of Christ, right? And we battle off the flesh. So we understand that there's this waging war, but we as Christians acknowledge that we can't stay the way we are. We need to be changed according to his word. And this is what his word says as far as roles in marriage. And listen up, this isn't simply for the married woman this morning. This is for all Christians. You kiddos, this is what you ought to see. In your home and in your your family, whether it be distant relatives. Let me tell you, I I grew up and my, my parents got a divorce, so I didn't see this all the time. Some of you kiddos have experienced that. And let me tell you, that's not part of God's natural creation, right? This isn't what God intended for marriage. But sometimes that happens, and it's not okay. And when you see that, you see the brokenness of the world. And it should display the gospel even further. But when you see a man and a woman living Ephesians 5 out, you see not just a loving couple, but a couple committed to the gospel. When you see a woman who is submitting to godly leadership, even when it gets tough and the flesh says, I don't want to, you see the gospel. Because, church, when we preach on Sunday mornings, there's times where we're like, don't like that. But when we submit, it elevates the gospel. Right? It wouldn't be submission if you just agreed with it. right? I remember hearing Gary tell me that for the first time. It's like, it wouldn't be submission if you didn't agree. And I'm like, boom, like that's mind-blowing. Didn't think about that. It's so true. So kids, you ought to see this. To the unmarried, talk through these things before marriage and expect them in it. When you're talking through and going through premarital counseling, do you understand the roles of marriage? Do you understand that, that as the, the woman you are to submit to godly leadership, do you understand as the man that you've got this huge weight to carry, that you have to provide, protect, and pray for her always, lead, and go into the battle first? When we had bats in our house, I like, felt like ashamed. My wife is like, taking action. I'm like, there's a bat. Like, I'm not about that. But what you need is you need someone who's going to go and to do it. Does that mean that a woman cannot go and attack the bats first? Absolutely not. You can ask Megan Pro and Aubrey about how to deal with bats. They are not afraid to just go and deal with it. Me, yes. But when it comes down to it, I've had Aubrey tell me, she's like, we're driving somewhere. Mike, I just need you to figure this out. I can, but you're behind the wheel. And I'm like, you're right. I need to figure it out. That's these roles. So talk through them. These are things that you should expect in marriage. If you don't expect it, it'll creep up on you and smack you in the face one night. She will too, right? Like, it it happens. The married. To the married person, do this, expect this, and teach this to other couples. Maybe you're like, "We've, we've got it down. We've got our flaws. We've got it down. Then the reason it's being preached to you this morning, and I want to focus a little bit on you, is that you need to teach this also. Because it seems like such a distant reality that it was something that only happened in Paul's time. But no, church, we've got believers here that have gone before us are 20, 30, 40 years into marriage. Anybody beyond 40 years of marriage here? 40. There we go. You've got folks here, and you all get to teach the younger generation about what it means to do these things in your life and in their marriages. And it's beautiful because you all have done it. It's not that it hasn't been done it just isn't talked about. Not this one point alone, but the entire lot. It's not just the wives submit. It's also husbands, love your wives. We'll get there in a minute. See, church. Paul gives us imagery to that of Christ in the church, right? That Jesus is the head of the church. right? He's the head. And what do we know about the church? The church isn't demanding that Jesus follow her. We don't meet here on Sunday mornings like, Jesus, you're going to follow our way, brother. No, we come here humbly, hopefully, humbly gathering to be changed and commissioned according to his word. Charles Spurgeon says this, the husband is the head of the wife. He says, don't you try to be the head, but you be the neck. Then you can turn the head whichever way you like. I'm like, man, he was beyond his days, right? Like, I just feel like that's so insightful, right? And some of you are like, the ladies are like, now it's starting to make a little bit of sense. This is crucial because no one here is trying to make a case for domineering leadership, especially in the home, right? Even in the most godly of things, a husband may try to lead his wife in. She may make the decision for herself. Couples talk. Aubrey has talked me through things. I'm like, we need to do this. The Bible says... She's, hold up. What do you mean? Well, does it say that? We start looking or talking through it. And it's like, oh, okay. I, okay. A little nuance then. She's like, exactly. And we move forward. But she talked, right? She, she worked through it. But guess what? She submitted. And it was this, this willful thing that... It wasn't her saying, I'm just going to follow him blindly. It's like, no, I see the spiritual care that he's giving to me and providing to me. That... I should submit to, even when it's difficult. See, church, this tension, maybe some of you all are still feeling like super tense. I'm, I'm getting hot up here too. I don't think we could have the AC on high enough for me to not get hot, but I'm talking about it because scriptures talk about it. This is a result of the fall and its curse. All right, uh, sword drill, kiddos. Someone bring me Genesis 3, verse 16. You've got Bibles in the baskets, every other row, all the way back. First one here, I can't I can't do multiples. All right, we got one, we got one. You guys can stop. Get ready for the next one in just a little bit. Genesis 3:16 says this. It says, To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> My wife can say amen. With painful labor you will give birth to children. And then it says, Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Thank you so much. This, church, this is a result of, this tension that we're all feeling is a result of the curse, right? The reason we don't like this is because of the curse, right? And any woman who has found herself willfully submitting, I I just, I follow him, right? It's easy for me. Well, it's because the Spirit's at work within you because it doesn't come easy because the natural thing, because we're children of wrath by nature, the natural thing is to despise this. Right? To want to go against it because of the fall. It's something that every one of us, if you talk to any married couple, this is tension. And it says, You will desire his head, but he shall, you shall uh, desire your husband, he shall rule over you. And that's not that domineering rule, that's that leadership rule. Remember back to, to Best Buy, we needed a manager to manage. It was just roles. It's the way Best Buy structured their system. And none of us question that. We try to move up into it, right? We try to move into new positions, become supervisors, and then managers, GMs, regional managers, whatever it might be. This is God's role and system within marriage. Praise be to God for it. Now, husbands, what is your role? This is weighty. I'm surprised that I've spent this much time because I read this this next part and there's this weight for us men. I mean, you look back at Adam, Eve eats the apple and Adam takes the blame. Adam is now our federal head because he was there and did not intervene. He let her her eat the apple. He did not lead in a godly way. And Adam is called our federal head, right? It's Adam who is... Uh, taken the responsibility. That does not take away the need for women to repent when sin happens, right? That's not saying, you can never flip that around and say, men don't need to repent for anything. But there's this weight, and it gets even more heavy when you read these words from Paul here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present... The church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Man, I, I read that like what a difficult couple of verses that may seem so simple. Love your wives, be loving. It's a different kind of love. It's the kind of love that selflessly, sacrificially give its, gives itself, even when the other side is not willing to listen. I mean, think about the love that Christ had for his church. See, the bulk and focus on this passage here, verses 22 through 33, yes, it said what it said. Paul said what he said in verses 22 through 24. That doesn't change. Other scriptures attest to the fact of submission. It's a command. It's true. It's relevant and necessary according to the scriptures, but the weight is on the man loving her like Christ loved the church. Now, men, you want to lead your family? Do you think, hey, the Bible says that she is to submit to me? Here's what it says Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This verse drives me crazy. The weight of that, think about that. Kids, sword drill Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. I can only take one. All right, we got one. You're actually there. Oh, okay, I see how this is. All right, Romans. You're good. Hey, I'm not, I'm not hating, man. You can go ahead and take one. I'm going to read this verse that you already had pulled up. I feel like you gave him my notes or something. I don't send them. Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 8. Listen, that was great. For while we were, listen to this, thinking about Christ's love for the church, his bride, and marriage is a picture of the gospel, not the other way around. Listen to this. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here you, go, buddy. Thank you. I mean, think about that love. Like R.C. Sproul says this, Christ did not give up his kingly authority or become subject to the church when he gave himself up for her. But his authority was expressed through his sacrifice, especially since his accomplished redemption and victory over Satan. I mean, think about like Christ gave himself, sacrificially laid down his life for her so that she may be cleansed and sanctified, redeemed. Now, brothers, you are not redeeming your wife's soul. You will not lay your life down enough to redeem her to heaven in a relationship with the Father, but you will redeem in a sense in sanctifying her according to the word by leading her and loving her like Christ loved the church. I was talking to a friend about marriage and all you guys can relate and ladies don't hate on this. It's just like we talk and I don't know that you ladies talk, right? Like we all talk and we need people to talk to and it's in that talking that we point people to the biblical state of marriage, and what it says about it, and how we ought to live, but I was talking to this this brother, and uh, we we're just talking about marriage, and just getting in arguments, and whatnot, and he was like, nah, I just, she just needs to repent, like, I mean, I agree, but how's that going for you, right, like, it's a situation that we've all kind of found ourselves in, but like, what are you going to do about it, I'm going to make her repent, and I'm like, how are you going to make her repent, like, just walk me through the process, because I agree, and I would love like some pointers, and ladies, you all would love some pointers when you try and call us out, right? This doesn't mean that neither gender sins or one does more than the other, but we're trying to lead our family, right? So this is a serious thing. We're like, how do we do this, especially with kids? They're seeing our sin. And I said, you know what's really interesting, man? And he's like, what's that? I said, it says there, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, And gave himself up for her. And then I thought of this passage too. For while we were still sinners, Christ died. Men, you are gonna find yourselves in situations, and I'm not blaming women or their DNA, but you'll find yourselves in situations where it's like you just can't get through. And ladies, you have those moments too. But us men, we sit there and we're like, we have to get through. We're stubborn, right? Like, we gotta get through. But when we read this, we can be reminded that while we were still sinners, before we repented or had done anything, that Christ died for us. He died for his bride. He laid his life down. That is a self, uh, selfless, sacrificial type of love that we are commanded to. So what we can do, man, is extend forgiveness. And reconciliation really can't happen until repentance has taken place. But Jesus wasn't waiting around to come die on the cross once his people got holy. He died on the cross. He laid his life down selflessly and sacrificially and drew her to himself and is sanctifying her actively, currently, until he comes back. Church, we, even his church, still have blemish. There's a day when he's coming back and we will not. But for now, we still do, and we are seeking sanctification. Men, we would do a good job to love our wives despite their flaws and point them to Christ by extending forgiveness even before repentance. To to draw them. What that does is it draws them. So what we want to do when we extend the gospel, we say repent and believe. And when you do that, there's reconciliation. It's at that moment that you were then redeemed. But when I read that, I'm like, man, this is so weighty to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present her, present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, just as Christ loves the church, it goes on. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Love her and cherish her just as she were yourself. I mean, that's, that's weighty, right? And it's in that, right, that submission needs to take place, and that godly leadership. I've always said this, no lady, nor would a man in, in that position, if Jesus was before them, be like, I don't want to follow that, right? Like, people rejected maybe the message of Jesus, but like, even the world was like, Jesus was lovely, Probably handsome, and he was saying all the right things. He was very caring and selfless. I would follow Jesus, right? Well, Jesus is calling the men to lead like himself in the covenant of marriage. As we follow Christ, we call our spouse to follow him also. Why? Because these roles are deeply rooted in the gospel. Point number three. All of this points to the gospel because, church, marriage is a picture of the gospel, not the other way around. We don't look at the gospel and be like, oh, man, that's like marriage. No, marriage is like the gospel. Look at verses 32 and 33. This mystery is profound, Paul says, talking about the two becoming one flesh. He says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He wraps it up. He ties it up. He says, this is important. And why? Because it's tied to the gospel. We believe the gospel. We believe the word of God. We believe this, verses 22 through 33, and it's relevant to today. So when we, married folk, live according to the scriptures, we are literally preaching a visible gospel to all of creation. After speaking about the husband and wife being one body, he says, the husband being the head, the two being one flesh, he says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Just as the husband sacrificially leads, as Christ sacrificially leads his bride, the church, the wife respects, aids, submits herself to her husband, just as the church does to Christ, her groom. Paul says, it's profound. It's great, it's loud, it cannot be ignored. This command, church, is not natural to our flesh, but rather a result of sanctification. Men are called to a great love and women to a high respect. You know what's interesting? Men, we don't love very well naturally. You know who does? Women. Men, we respect pretty well. We could fist fight, turn around, shake it. Good one, man, sock me real good, right? I'm from West Virginia. That stuff happens. People do, my dad told me, like, back in the day, they'd go and duke it out, like, outside of the school, and I'm not condoning this, but they would do it, and then they'd hang out the next day. I'm like, we are psychos. Like, we were just made differently. Men and women are different, right? That's just what we do. And we don't love very well, but we respect well, right? It, it's something that, that we don't have to work very hard for respect. But love, man, like, it's like, It's difficult. Ladies, like I talk to my wife, I'm like, man, you like not just me, but like, do you have respect for that, that 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 thing, like that person or whatever? Like, but man, you like, you're so sweet and caring and and tender, right? Like, like soft hearted, like gentle. Especially with the kids, like even with my daughters, like it's just part of being a, a dad, like, yeah, like I'll love them, and I'm like, all right, go on again, right? It's, just, it's still, even with little girls, like I spoil them, but it's just different. Our, our DNA, the, the way we are, our DNA, but we are called to a great love and women to a high respect. The bride of Christ, Christ prepares a home for her that he will one day bring to us to dwell with him forever. Last sword drill, 1 Corinthians 15, verses one through four. We're getting ready to, to take communion. And, and I just want us to think about this, this passage here. It's the gospel so clearly uh, preached here. Thanks, Dexter. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures thanks dex you can grab something too like when we see marriage we see that we should that the church the bride of christ and the bride of whoever to all you wives are submitting to that godly leadership and that doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy there's going to be tension and there's going to be fights it's a result of the fall But men, in those fights, we are selflessly, sacrificially loving her so that she may be sanctified, just as Christ loves the church so that he may sanctify her. The, The gospel is clearly delivered, and our relationship hinges on this, the finished work of Christ on the cross and our faith in it. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, you have heard the Gospel proclaimed this morning that, that we are all sinners separated from God. We're born into sin, and we need a Redeemer. Christ came and died while we were sinners so that we may have life. And if you repent and believe in Him, surrender to Him this morning, you will be redeemed. You will be a part of the Bride. You will not be the bride, you will be part of it. We together collectively make up the bride, the body of Christ. But the only way to be redeemed is to repent and believe. You've heard that. You can look around and you can look at these, these married couples and you can say, like, man, like I see the gospel in their life. I see it in their marriage how beautiful it is that, that she is submitting to his godly leadership. How beautiful is it that he selflessly, sacrificially lays his life down for her. Right? Even when we're like acting crazy with one, like you see that, that beautiful picture of the gospel. Where the world would say, hey, she starts acting crazy, he starts acting crazy, just bounce. The Bible says no. This is a holy covenant. The gospel Is a holy covenant. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And as we take communion, I want us to think about that this morning. I want us to think about those truths. And Simon, if you'd go ahead and come up here uh, to pass out communion this morning. And then uh, Pastor Mark, if you want to go to to the back this morning. Church, we're doing communion a little bit differently and I want to make sure it's really clear. So everybody throw your hand up real quick if you're listening. All right, cool, everybody. Got it, sweet. So uh, we are incorporating wine into communion in the back, okay? Let me say that again. Wine is in the back. Um, Up here is still Welch's grape juice, tastes good, and it is a part of communion. Uh, What we're doing and why we're doing it, we have a blog post by Pastor Mark, um, but wine was used in the Bible. Um, If you feel convicted and you don't want to do that, don't go back there, unless you want a prepackaged communion cup like these. These are in the front and the back. You can get those in the front and the back. But wine was used, and it's something beautiful, and maybe some of you all had never thought about this because I'll tell you the truth, I had it. I was like, I mean, they just used wine. And, and Mark brought up the point and the fact that, that wine was used for a specific reason. It's bitter and then it's sweet. I'm not a wine guy. I'm like, it's just bitter, right? And I guess it gets sweet after you like, actually taste it, Right. So the beautiful thing about the gospel and its comparison to the wine is that it's bitter because it exposes our sin, but it's sweet in what Christ accomplished for his people. Maybe maybe you didn't know too about the unleavened bread, but a little bit of leaven messes with the whole lump. Christ was sinless and therefore was was not messed up. He was not like us in that way and that we are sinners. So when you partake, if you want to do wine, where is it? In the back. And let that ring true to you. That the gospel is bitter and sweet. Some of us will have the same experience with grape juice, or maybe we just have to think about that because we don't want to partake. But do not think that this is just a relevance thing. No, we just want to make sure that we are elevating God's word and what it says. So if you want to partake with wine, it's in the back, grape juice in the front, pre-packaged communion in both sections. Parents, use your discretion. Uh, with your kids we live in a state that parents you are allowed it is a small glass that is totally up to you but make sure you're explaining to your kids what it means and why we do it this is a sacred time at the lord's table and it is for believers who have rested all their faith in jesus christ and the death burial and resurrection of christ our lord and savior if you're not yet a believer refrain do not come up here to partake until you have come to faith in christ then We ask that you joyfully partake along with the body of Christ. We encourage those of you who are believers to examine your hearts so that you can partake in a worthy manner. If your heart is harboring up unrepentant sin, don't wait until next Family Sunday to take communion. Deal with that sin now. If there's someone here you've wronged, go repent. And then see the gospel visibly through the partaking of communion. As the bread and cup are served, as you go back, we ask that you hold on to them and go back to your seats so that we may partake together. Again, prepackaged in both areas, wines in the back, grape juices in the front. Let me pray, and then you all can come as you're ready. Father God, we thank you for, we thank you for roles. We thank you for order. It's important. We need it. We need it in our lives. And God, I pray that we would begin to see this and, and better understand it in our marriages. God, I pray that we would be vulnerable all the couples here, that we would be vulnerable and open with one another, talking about our experience and how we've had our uh, shortcomings, God, and, and that we've had success and victory, too. But God, most of all, that we would elevate your word. We would, we would seek it. For in it, we are sanctified. So God, lead us in this time. And God, as we partake in communion, I pray that we would see the gospel visibly. We would be reminded of the bitter sweetness of the gospel. We will be reminded of the sinless Savior, Christ Jesus, our Lord, who came and laid his life down so that we may have life abundantly. Father God, be with us in this time. May you receive all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.